Turn off your lights. Make sure your doors and windows are locked. Things are about to get spooky. My Terrifying Experience with a Jinn Slash Demon by Anonymous I thought about it, and I think it's time to tell my story. This is a true story that happened to me. I'm not here to prove to the skeptics, just to tell my story. Those who have experienced anything similar will know that this is possible. Before this encounter, I didn't have any experiences with Jinn, and I had no idea what they were capable of. I'm going to tell my story now, but it will be long. It all started when I was 13 to 14. I'm 21 now. I used to watch ghost shows for fun as entertainment, but I never believed what I saw could happen to me. I believed it was possible, but I had my doubts. One night, I did something dumb. I was so curious about the existence of jinns that I sat in prayer one night and after I finished my prayer, I called out to Allah and asked Allah, God, if jinns are real, let me have an experience of my own. I said something along those lines either way. I was asking Allah to prove their existence to me. I don't know why on earth I asked for that. I know it was dumb, but I was curious, and this is where it all started. Once I said that Allah answered my prayer, and something came through. So one night after I made that prayer, I was getting ready to sleep. I wasn't in bed yet, just sorting out a couple of things in my bedroom. I heard a woman say to me, Go to sleep, sweetheart, in a soft, soothing voice in an accent I had never heard before. And this was clear as day, as if she was behind me. In that moment, I hadn't experienced anything like that before, so I just thought it was because I was tired. I fell asleep and woke up the next morning getting ready for school. I was happy, I was putting on my clothes, and when something came up to my ear, my left ear, and started speaking in a deep, guttural voice that no human man or woman could ever make. It was speaking in a language I had never heard in my entire life. In that moment, I didn't understand what was happening. I was frozen in fear. It terrified me. All I know is that as soon as it was done, I went frantically to my mother and everyone was asking me what was wrong. After that incident, I started to feel something watching me. I felt it more than I was alone. It was uncomfortable to be in a room alone. I always had this creepy, scary feeling at certain times of night. It was almost like it was the perfect opportunity for this thing to attack me. One night, it was one of those uncomfortable nights, so I lay in my bed listening to the Quran with earphones when this thing came up to my ear again, blocking the sounds of the Quran playing in my ears, almost as if it was completely muffled out my earphones. Then it began to speak in this deep, low, guttural voice in a language I can't understand. 
It freaked me out. I was shaking and scared. One thing about me was I stayed on my prayers and I read and listened to the Quran constantly. But if I ever missed my prayer, this thing would come for me. It was almost like it was an opportunity for it to come after me. It hated prayers. One time when I stood up to prayer on my own, I said Allah Akbar loudly and this thing screamed no in a high-pitched voice. This jinn would also constantly growl during the night at the bottom of the stairs like an animal. I'm going to tell you the last three experiences I had with this jinn. One night, I went to my cousin's house, and this house was mainly full of female family members. The only male was a boy who wasn't older than the age of seven. One night, I wake up, and everyone else is still fast asleep. I could hear snores. I got up and went to the toilet. I did my business and came out. Bear in mind, in Islam, you're supposed to say a dua, a prayer of protection before entering the toilet. Because there are evil jinn that love living in the toilet. I didn't do this. When I came out, I heard this jinn laugh at me with its unnaturally deep voice and say, Anonymous, I can see you. Almost like it was singing, you know, in horror movies when kids sing in a creepy way. Yes, like that, but imagine a deep, dark, demonic voice. I went back to the room, terrified, thinking about what just happened. The only thing that comforted me was that I wasn't sleeping alone in that room. Shortly after this experience, I went down to the kitchen late at night to get some water. I had the same feeling again, that something was watching me, but I ignored it. It was common at this point. Just before I got to the stairs, I looked at the corridor leading to the living room. The light in the kitchen was still on, which gave me some illumination. Bear in mind, the living room door was wide open so I could see into it. When I looked in, I saw a tall, dark figure Darker than the room, walking through the living room. It reached the ceiling. That's how tall it was. He had a dark top hat on, and I couldn't see any features on its face. It had what looked like a long, dark jacket that reached above its feet. It walked through the living room, but the direction it was walking towards was just a wall anyways. I didn't want to find out where it went. I went up the stairs to my room. One of the final experiences I had was, well, I was asleep one night. I woke up to a hand touching my feet. I felt fingers wrapping around my ankles like I felt each individual finger slowly wrapping around my ankles. Everyone else was asleep. And when I looked, no one was there. Eventually, it all stopped the same way. I asked Allah to show me. Allah removed this thing. And this was a couple of months to a year. But when it stopped, this jinn never came back. Update. Some of you guys are weird as hell. This happened to me when I was 13 to 14. If you read the post, you would know I'm 21 now. Happy and healthy, thank God. This experience happened a long time ago and stopped a long time ago. 
Stop sending me Reddit care talking about suicide and crazy stuff like that just because you believe it's not possible doesn't mean me or others like me don't. And I'm honestly starting to regret posting my story. I would like to end this story on a couple notes here. I want to apologize in case I mispronounced any of the words that were foreign. I'm very much an English speaker who has problems speaking English at times. So, whenever I do a foreign words, I always look them up and do my best to pronounce them to the, my best abilities. But I know I'm not perfect. Second of all, I wanted to say that I can understand wanting to check in to make sure someone's mentally okay. But just because you don't believe something never will give you the right to intrude into their lives and push your beliefs on them. As long as something's not hurting someone, let them be. It's that easy. And I thought I'd keep this update to kind of have a reason to bring this up. And lastly, I would like to thank the writer just because they were having some problems and they even still let me read this story. Staying anonymous and I completely get that. But thank you. That means a lot that you trust me to tell your story correctly. Now, let's continue with the stories. Men, plug your ears with wax, said Odysseus, and tie me to the mast that I might be the first man to hear the beauteous song of the sirens and live. Later, as the crew cut down their captain's body, wide-eyed terror frozen in his lifeless eyes, and cooling blood trickling from his ears, they knew that no man could. My Experience with Automatic Writing by Shepard O.K. 1448 it wasn't so much what was written, but what happened afterwards that terrified me. I'm not one to be scared easily. I love experimenting with all things occult magic, witchcraft, Gatora, aka Lesser Key of Solomon, Senesis, spiritual boards, tarot, numerology, and automatic writing, just to name a few things that I have experience in. I'll get to the Gatora story in another post one day. At this particular night, I sat at my desk with paper and what is called an automatic writer. I bought it from a seller on eBay a while back. The one I have is an antique made in the 1920s and supposedly belonged to a medium. It looks like an extra large planchette, only it has small wheels at the end of each foot and at the point there is a metal holder for a pen or a pencil to be used as the third leg. It's the same principle as the Ouija board. You ask a question and place your hand on the writer and wait. Like the Ouija board, sometimes it moves and sometimes it doesn't. You don't see what is written until the planchette stops. There are no spaces in between words, no capitals or punctuations that I have seen yet, but words are decipherable and legible. On this particular night, I didn't really have any questions that needed answering, so I just asked it what I needed to know. It wrote you several times, so I figured that nothing needed to be known nor needed answering. So I folded it up and put everything away, 
and didn't give it a second thought, just considering that session a bust. I see it as a form of denovation and less of a spirit communication. Well, I went to bed later that night, normally after some TV and later some reading like I normally do. I lay down to sleep, and it didn't take me long to fall asleep. I remember it being nice. You know the feeling as you drift off. You feel comfortable and peaceful. All thoughts start to quiet down as the world around begins to drift further and further away, along with all the cares and worries and stresses of living. A delightful, though short reprieve that didn't last. I was jolted awake two hours later, feeling terrified. There was no explanation for this feeling. I don't remember a nightmare. In fact, I think it was a dreamless sleep. I was petrified. I could move. I wasn't suffering sleep paralysis, but I was afraid to move. The atmosphere in my room was so stifling. I just lay there expecting something to happen. Nothing did. Nothing happened to me, but as I lay there, I heard something fall and slide across the carpet. It wasn't dramatic or anything like that. It slid off whatever it was on and slid onto the carpet. I didn't understand why I was trembling with fear in my bed. No reason to be that scared. It was like I sensed something but didn't know exactly what I was sensing. I was like a rabbit sensing a predator but not knowing where it was or when it will strike. I didn't get scratched or mysteriously bruised or anything so dramatic, but I was sweating and trembling. My teeth were chattering, like Shaggy and Scooby, but not so comical. The feeling of dread intensified as the night progressed, but somehow I got up the courage to reach up and turn on the light. The light hurt my eyes, but I looked around and didn't see anything. The fear started to dissipate a little as my body started calming down. It was enough to let me go back to sleep. So I slept with the light on from that night for several weeks. That's how long this fear lasted. I thought I was having some sort of psychosis. I was afraid to sleep in my own bed. I did with the lights on as if I was five all over again. It took several weeks for everything to go back to normal. That feeling of being watched, ever-present, made me sleep with the light on. Then it vanished. That feeling I was being watched finally left, and I was able to sleep without light. I've thought about it, and thought about it, and I've never been able to come up with any conclusions. I never really thought it was due to the automatic writing session I did. But, maybe... Due to ongoing efforts to eliminate illness, we regret to inform you that your household qualifies for mandatory euthanasia. The state can provide this service to you for a nominal processing fee, or you are free to select an alternative methodologies.
Our house wasn't haunted. It was just visited by here to gossip. I grew up next door to a cemetery in a small town. The cemetery is very old, but people are still being buried there. There were definitely a lot of strange and unexplainable things that happened to us. My parents worked until 6 p.m., so my brother and I would get off the school bus between 3 and 3.30 and would be home alone. Every day we get off the bus, we wait until the bus left just standing at the end of the driveway. It was quiet. We casually walked into our house and go about our routine. On the other days, we hear voices coming from our backyard. It sounded like children laughing and playing, but there were no other houses nearby with kids. Our house was surrounded by cornfields and the cemetery next door. It always made me feel uneasy and nervous. My brother would act like it didn't bother him, but I know he felt it too. We stopped checking the yard for children and just ran inside after a while. There were no kids in the yard. It just sounded like it almost every afternoon. My brother's night terrors were getting worse. His screams would wake us all up in panic, thinking someone was hurt or worse. I asked him one day if he remembered what he dreamt about. He told me that he screamed just so he could move. He'd be paralyzed facing his closet, where his clothes would turn into bodies hanging from nooses. Always the same people, just hanging there and looking at him. Another Terry had, a man would appear in his bedroom door, walking to the window across the room and stand there before slowly vanishing. The man would reappear at the door and continue the cycle until my brother would scream himself out of it. Years later, I remember coming home late one night. My parents were out and my brother had all the lights on in the house, the TV on, music on, everything. I found him on the floor, trembling and crying. After I calmed him down, he told me that there was something in the basement. I looked over and he had the door blocked with one of our dining room chairs. I told him to stay there. I'll check it out. I moved the chair. I opened the door and looked down the stairs and saw it too. At the bottom of the stairs, there was what looked like a girl. She was on her hands and knees with her long hair covering her face. She was looking down at the floor, but facing the stairs. I was able to muster up, who is that, or something like that, and her head flipped. I mean, it flipped up. It was not human movement, and I didn't stand there long enough to get a good look at her face. I grabbed my brother and told him to get in my car. We left and didn't come back until we knew my parents were home. We never saw that one again but she has stuck with me. There is so much more, but who has time to read all that? My brother has blocked out everything that happened. He won't talk about our childhood ghosts. I learned later on the cemetery is having issues with new burials. The bodies have been shifting underground and the maps the town had are inaccurate. When they go to dig up a plot, sometimes there's already someone buried there. For a jest, I looked at my parents' house on Google Map, and our driveway sits right over the cemetery, according to the map. A 
and got out of my car to drop off my $4 delivery, only to hear a vicious bark before being knocked to the ground by an extremely aggressive dog. My customer came out of their home, and upon seeing me under attack, they walked past me and grabbed my delivery bag before returning inside as their dog mauled me. Someone gave me some insight here on dreams slash not dreams. I would love another perspective. By Nabinwan. I apologize for the long post. I'm a Baptist minister, and this did happen. I know how I feel about all of this, but I want some outsider perspective here. My name is Nate, and I work at a factory in Virginia that uses a lot of temporary workers. So there's a constant rotation of people that cycle through. We have all kinds from all kinds of different walks. It was in 2011 or 2012 that I met a young couple that I will call Ben and Lisa. They were both younger, 20 to 21 years old, and they had moved here from New York. Lisa had lived with her father her whole life, and he had found her mother online and reached out to her. They moved down to Virginia to both meet her mother and to leave behind some of the troubles they had gotten into in New York. Lisa was a practicing witch, and upon meeting her mother, found out that her mother and grandmother were both also involved with witchcraft. For reference, I'm a Baptist minister, and I always found a minute to bring up faith in conversation. Not an overly pushy way, but more of a general question. And if they wanted to talk more about it, that was fine. And if not, well, that was fine too. I wasn't going to be annoying about it. We were already stuck at work, and that is annoying enough for all of us. Men was interested, and over the course of the few months we worked, we had a few conversations about my beliefs, his beliefs, our backgrounds, and we became pretty good work friends. Lisa worked in another part of the plant, in a place where they had a lady who was a practicing witch and there was some bad blood between the two. The other lady was someone that my wife grew up around and she knew us pretty well, but we never fully trusted her. She had been in a relationship with my brother-in-law for a while and treated him pretty horribly. I only bring her up because she plays a small part in what I'm about to share. I was up late washing the bottles for my son who was a baby at the time. I let my wife go to bed, and I stayed up to take care of the bottles and get things ready for the next day. She kept the baby all day, so I figured that it was a fair trade to help her out with all that stuff. I finished about one in the morning, and I went to bed. I was asleep, almost asleep. I don't know, I felt something slide across the top of the blankets from my left foot across my body and came to rest on the right side of the bed beside my head. I heard a voice. It asked, what if you looked over and your wife wasn't your wife, but Jan, the other witchy lady at work? My response was a calm and peaceful, I would kill her. No idea why it was that extreme. <laughs> and in my sleep slash not sleep, I reached out and grabbed whatever was there and I tried to strangle it. Then the thought crossed my mind. 
you're killing your wife, dummy. I woke up and still laying on my stomach, but all my muscles were tense. I was gritting my teeth and I was uneasy. My wife was still alive, sleeping peacefully beside me, and I hadn't moved since I laid down. I shook it off and glanced at the clock. It was 1.30 a.m. I had to get up soon for work, so I went back to an uneventful sleep. The next morning at work, I was going to lunch when I saw Ben. He looked very rough, so I asked him if he was okay. He stopped and looked at me and waited for some people to pass by. And he told me he hadn't got much sleep last night. I asked him if he was sick because he sounded pretty hoarse. He pulled the collar down on his coat and showed me his neck. He had a very deep purple bruise on his throat. I asked him what happened and he told me the story. I was asleep in bed and something dragged me out of bed and tried to kill me last night. It was choking me to death, and while it was my girlfriend said, I was growling and something was growling in the room. There was a voice in my head that said I had one week to leave the house or it would kill me. Lisa ran and got her mom, and she left the room. It let go. I asked him about what time it was, and his answer stopped me in my tracks. It was about 1.30 in the morning. When I told him that at 1.30 a.m. I was trying to kill something in my dream slash not dream by choking it to death, he was just as disturbed as I was. He asked what it meant, and I told him I didn't know. But if we had a chance to talk later, we should, and see what was up. About two hours later, I went and got him to help me do another job in the factory, and as soon as I asked him to come with me, I felt something I will never forget. It felt like something was standing right behind me, something evil. I was instantly nauseous and was chilled and felt feverish at the same time. My palms were sweaty, which hardly ever happens to me. It felt evil, wrong, like it did not like me speaking to Ben. As we worked trying to piece things together, his girlfriend kept coming out and she was acting super sketchy. She kept whispering in his ear and kept staring at me all weird. That evening, I went home with no answers, and it was done, until early Friday morning. I was in the kitchen washing bottles again. I was almost done when I had a visitor. In the dark kitchen, lit by only crappy, small, fluorescent bulbs, I felt something slip behind me. It was that same exact thing that happened when I was at work. Breath on my neck, feverish, chills, sweaty palms, and nausea. I checked the bottle in the sink and told the spirit that it did not belong in my house, that this was a Christian home, and it had no place here. Then, as calm and cool as I could, I turned and walked as fast as I could to the bedroom without looking back. I said a prayer for Ben because the last time I felt the presence was when I was talking to him. I felt like he was in danger. I'm not sure what happened exactly, but I found out at work the next day, the previous night, Ben at around the same time decided to convert to Christianity. He said that whatever had been bothering him had left. I have no idea what any of this meant or 
what caused it. I have questions. If it was his girlfriend, maybe she didn't like the influence I was having and tried to stop it. Or if it was the other girl that my wife knew trying to cause the two of them, Ben and Lisa, issues and somehow I got dragged into the middle of it. I do know that it was more than a coincidence and whatever it was that caused it has been back around. As they applauded the performer before me, I stepped onto the stage, but I felt their gaze burning into my skin and forgot the lines. I looked at the six heads on a stake of those who failed before me, while the crowd stared at me in silence. I saw a patient that didn't exist. Bye, you got me there. I was starting out of practice as a healthcare provider in a small private practice. Our practice had set up cameras to monitor the front desk, outside, hallways, for security and emergency reasons, as we are in a large metro area with moderate to high crime rate. So, utilizing ZocDoc, a booking software that's pretty popular in the U.S., I received an appointment request. The way these work is the software checks to see if there is a provider with an available slot and shows it to the patient on the other side, and they pick both the time and provider they would like to see given the options of time slots available. The patient then has to input insurance info, if insured, and the standard stuff like name, age, sex at birth, gender, etc. The first thing that seemed weird to me was the appointment request had no insurance listed, only a name, a private relay email, and a weird international number. For the sake of HIPAA, I will call this patient JD. HIPAA stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accessibility Act of 1996. It's an American law. So the next red flag, the appointment is never confirmed via phone. It is during this confirmation call when we discuss showing up early to fill out forms and such. JD, however, shows up filling out their forms. As I read the chart, I notice they left certain fields blank, very important fields such as emergency contact, place of employment, job, maternal, and paternal history. Regardless, we proceed to go to the exam room. It's fairly normal workup or initial exam. Think of it as your annual physical, but without any abnormalities, which made me wonder why this person made an appointment in the first place. I mean, it's very weird that a person would come for the doctor's appointment without having at least one abnormality. During the workup, I did my usual banter. What do you do for work? Where are you from? Not because I'm trying to pry, but because I'm trying to show some decent bedside manner. They're pretty blunt in answering and seem quite annoyed about me asking the questions. But given the location and where the practice was, I was not taken aback that much. It was weird, however, that while I was asking the question and they were agitated, me being in autopilot mode at this point, decided to take their blood pressure. Typically, when you're agitated or flustered, hell, even when you're talking, your blood pressure spikes. 
There was no such spike in their blood pressure, and as a matter of fact, it was low. Not so low to be dangerous, but low enough for it to be clinically relevant. I asked about it. Yeah, that's normal for me, they said while staring directly into my eyes. I will say, I was confused about the lack of accent this individual had. It seemed pretty standard for the country where this international number was from. There were no distinctive markings or features other than the person's height, which was well above the average for either sex. We're not talking Shaq or Lisa Lessie height, but listen, I'm 6'3", and when I say someone is tall, they are tall. Another thing I would like to say, the patient never, and I mean not once, broke eye contact with me. I was not used to being a new practitioner, and being in such a small room at such a close proximity, it made me feel uneasy to say the least. After the exam, I made a few recommendations regarding the low blood pressure and suggested a follow-up. The appointment ended, so they gathered their things and walked to the front desk. They paid in cash and made no follow-up appointment. The day was pretty busy at this point in time, so I wasn't able to do the notes right then and there, but the appointment stuck with me. So at the end of the day, I sat down to do my notes and noticed that JD was not in my note tally, so I checked the EMR, Electronic Health Record software, where we do our notes. Thinking that the front desk might have forgotten to put them in since it's a cash note. Side note, these notes tend to not be as pressing to small practices as they do not need to be submitted to the insurance company for reimbursement. The appointment was not there. I then decided to check the booking software to pull their info and build their profile, which was not in the EHR either, so that I could do the note. The appointment was in the booking software earlier. At this point, I was extremely confused. Was I going crazy? I asked the front desk staff what happened. They said they didn't know what or who I was referring to. To their credit, we had seen over 50 people collectively between all the practitioners that day, so I let it slide. I somehow did the note and did not add any info other than one told to me by the patient in the room during the exam, and I made note of the international number but couldn't remember the code for whatever reason. I have a really good memory, so that was odd for me. Flash forward to two to three days later. I was still thinking about the situation and remember the cameras. I told the front desk to look at the video for me. To my astonishment, there they were clear as day. JD talking to me in the hallway in full view of the camera and checking out slash paying at the front desk, with the staff writing down the transaction on both the cash ledger and the digital ledger on our software. Needless to say, all three of us were terrified and confused because the patient showed up on two different cameras, but also in order to make a payment, you need to have a profile created in EHR, which wasn't the case because I went to do the notes, the profile was not there. The staff is young, so they did some snooping, as young people do, and found no records of anything or anybody by what we thought or remembered was JD's name. 
We called the booking software company, and nobody had even made an appointment for that day, at least under my profile. What's more is that neither of the EHR nor the booking software had any logs of creating or deleting any counts on that day, which is something that is done for legal reasons, i.e. you need to show somebody that the patient was in or has been a patient in your practice. So, still after five years, this person has never showed up, we don't know who JD is or if they even exist. I mentioned this on Reddit, and theories have come up. Maybe it was an entity, maybe it was somebody trying to keep their identity secret and then hacked our computer systems. Some people have suggested aliens, but I don't think E.T. needs to get a physical on Earth. I'm convinced, and so is the front desk staff, that we saw a patient that didn't exist. For this and other reasons, I have since left the practice, and the question of who or what JD was remains unsolved. Truthfully, it was out of sight, out of mind situation. A week or so ago, I came back to my apartment from work. I received a mysterious package. I always get an email preview of what is to come in the mail, so this was odd. Hmm, it happens, I thought to myself. There was no return address, nor my home address, just a simple brown envelope with my name written on it. Hesitantly, I opened it and found a single photograph inside. It was a picture of JD sitting in the waiting room of the old practice. On the back of the photo, a cryptic message was written, Thank you for your care. As a politician, I work myself hard for the people, pushing through important environmental and workers' rights laws. But I always take time to read the newspaper before work to relax. So, when I read the headline that I had been shot in my own home, I wasn't surprised for long. And with that, my friends, our time together is coming to an end. As always, I would like to thank the writers who let me read their stories today. As always, I hope you all stay safe and away from anything that might try to do you harm. I hope you enjoyed these stories. I always find it hard to read the paranormal stories where they draw the danger in themselves, mainly because I was a little idiot who decided to do that as well. I thought I would be strong and brave and able to face anything that came my way. Luckily for me, I had set up some protection for myself, but I was very wrong on that. Please remember to be kind to those who might not believe the same things as you do, whether it be religion, politics, or paranormal. I know I'm just a silly little narrator who reads you horror stories, but I have a strong belief in trying to bring people joy in their life. And the way that I do it is reading you stories. And sometimes trying to remind the people who listen to this stuff that we're all just human. Let's try to live the best and kindest life we can. Now, if you'd like to help this podcast grow, please just share it with anyone who might enjoy it. 
If you're listening on a podcast player that lets you rate this podcast, please give it five stars and leave a comment. You'd be surprised how much that also helps. If you'd like to help this podcast in other ways, I do have Patreon, where for a dollar a month you get early access, as well as some other bonuses. If you'd like to buy me a coffee or do a one-time donation, I do have PayPal and Buy Me a Coffee. As well as merch if you'd like to get something with my cute little avatars on it. All the links, including the ones to all my social medias, are down below. But as always guys, thank you for watching and listening. It really means the world to me. Sleep tight and don't let 42 bite.